I'm Kate, and welcome to the Picture House Podcast, where we discuss the architecture, design, and history of America's early cinemas. We hope that telling the stories of these places and the people associated with them will help you explore their place in our collective memory and our communities today. Our most recent series profiled the Bowler Brothers, two siblings who specialized in theater design. They were particularly prolific in designing theaters that went up in Midwestern towns, with an almost exclusive focus on cinemas after World War I. The majority of their movie houses from the 1920s and 30s were the creation of Robert O. Bowler, the younger of the brothers. I thought it would be fun to profile his work a bit further, and so this episode is the first of two Bowler bonuses. We'll spotlight later Art Deco, Streamline Modern theaters that Robert designed, apparently completely on his own and fully independent of the Bowler Brothers' partnership. Let's look first at St. Louis's Esquire Theater, the aristocrat of entertainment. We first need to acknowledge the Esquire's possible predecessor. It appears that the Esquire might owe a great deal to St. Louis's Northside Theater. Opened a couple of years prior to the Esquire, the Northside had many deluxe features and was considered at the time a new departure from the usual neighborhood theater. The public having embraced the Northside, its management made plans for another theater in the same modern manner. Months of careful study of all the newest types of theaters, together with the experience gained in building and operating the Northside Theater, furnished a wealth of knowledge of what to include and how to design the Esquire. I don't currently have any primary source documentation on the Northside other than the bit I just read to you, which was published along with the announcement of the Esquire's opening. And unfortunately, the Northside no longer exists. However, one could surmise that it was a Robert Bowler design and that perhaps the final design for the Esquire was very much based on the Northside's architecture. On October 7, 1939, trade publication Box Office reported that the Esquire would open October 18th. On the 21st, the paper reported that the theater had indeed opened on the 18th, but this was actually a premature press blurb that had to be corrected a week later, when Box Office noted that the grand opening of the $300,000 Esquire Theater on Clayton Road that was scheduled for the night of October 18th has been indefinitely postponed because of unforeseen disruption of the interior finishing plans. The paper went on to explain that the major reason for the delay was the task of installing hundreds of mirrors which will cover the walls and ceiling of the lobby, part of the lavish ornamental scheme that is being carried out with a unique lighting system throughout the house. Luckily, St. Louis moviegoers didn't have to wait too long. The Esquire Theater made its formal debut on November 8, 1939, with the St. Louis Star Times covering the thrilling opening of gala inaugural events at the so-called Theater of Tomorrow. Reportedly sold out several days in advance, the theater's debut was one of the most auspicious premieres ever accorded the opening of a motion picture house in St. Louis. The evening included a gala four-hour program bringing together officials representing civic bodies and the municipalities of Clayton and Richmond Heights. The Esquire gifted its patrons a Hollywood-esque premiere, 
complete with an American Legion honor guard, radio broadcast, and ceremonial ribbon cutting. Even Miss Missouri was present on a pedestal in the foyer to greet moviegoers and hand out souvenir programs, while snappily dressed male attendants were on hand to address any needs a guest might have. The Star Times also offered its readers a camera trip through the $300,000 Ultramodern Esquire Theater. Featured photos included one of the lobby, where hundreds of mirrored panes of glass ornament the ceilings and sidewalls, these being the same mirror cited as the reason for the delay in the theater's opening. The spacious auditorium and its ultramodern pushback seats, which were said to be the first of their kind in a St. Louis movie house, were also pictured. The newspaper elaborated on this particular feature. The immense auditorium of the Esquire Theater is dominated by the vast expanse of row upon row of seats covered with rich velour. The reclining seats are soft, wide, and restful, and the rows are spaced to permit patrons ample room for relaxing or permitting latecomers to move past without discomfort or inconvenience. The seats in the loges are as restful as a favorite easy chair, naturally being designed for the maximum amount of comfort. The theater was equipped with the latest sound equipment of the day. At great expense, the Esquire has installed the RCA Photophone sound system. Other items of note were the large, very Art Deco medallions of a ballerina that graced both sidewalls on the interior of the auditorium, symbolizing the simple beauty that characterizes the theater throughout. The Esquire Ladies' Lounge was described as luxurious, complete with smart modern furnishings and an attendant. The theater's foyer staircase and walls were finished in walnut, and even its box office bears the touch of refinement pervading the theater's artistic scheme. With a street frontage of roughly a hundred feet, the Esquire's facade was dominated by the roof-height lighted window pylons, which are part of the unusual exterior illumination system. And the huge neon sign atop the theater was reportedly visible for miles around. It took an army of laborers and craftsmen for Robert Bowler's design for the Esquire to be realized. The general contractor was Saul Abrams and Son Construction Company. The theater's lighting fixtures were done by Architectural Bronze Studios. Hadley Dean Glass Company was responsible for glazing and mirrors. And the ornamental aluminum work was carried out by the A.A. Clutho Company. The Esquire's porcelain enamel front was done by Resch Porcelain Construction, and the highly visible rooftop neon sign, among other electric signage, was the work of the Keller Sign Company. These and many other companies were acknowledged by the Esquire's management for their wholehearted cooperation in supplying products and giving expert advice and supervision to the design and creation for the theater of tomorrow. Upon its opening, the St. Louis Star-Times proclaimed the Esquire the new pride of the Richmond Heights neighborhood and predicted that, situated as it is, at the busiest intersection in the state of Missouri, the theater is expected to become the hub around which the affairs of the community will rotate. And this seems to have been the case, with box office reporting barely a couple of weeks after the Esquire's opening that its owners were contemplating the erection of several more houses of the Esquire type 
in the outlying sections of the city. And even though the Esquire was a deluxe second runner, it's possible that it competed with St. Louis's first-run houses, including the Ambassador, Fox, Missouri, and Lowe's theaters. Box Office noted that within barely a week of the Esquire's opening, these other theaters were cutting their ticket prices. From the day the Esquire opened, it was said that the architectural beauty of the structure and its every detail adds immeasurably to the general building progress in the Clayton Road section. And I would argue that this is still the case today. The theater is a prominent fixture on busy Clayton Road, and original design features like the four towering lighted pylons on the facade continue to beckon to drivers buzzing by. And as an AMC theater, the Esquire still shows movies to Richmond Heights residents today. Thanks for listening to this, the first of our two Bowler bonus episodes. I hope you'll join us for our next episode when we look at one more theater by Robert Bowler. Until then, may your seats be ever in the center 